Hey, everybody, before we get to the meat of today's show, I'm going to serve up a little appetizer for you here and tell you about another libertarian podcast, another great podcast out there, hosted by our friends over at Good Morning Liberty, also known as Nate and Charlie. And of course, there's been some talk and some rumors and some things swirling about name mispronunciations and they might have called me Jack. I might have called Nate Nick. None of that matters. None of that matters at all. What matters is the awesome show they deliver multiple days a week. It's a uh, five-day-per-week podcast. They have an awesome segment coming up at the end of the week called the Dumb Bleep of the Week, and it is hilarious. It's a can't-miss. It's one of those segments that, you know, even if you're not listening to every episode, you got to tune back in. You don't miss the dumb bleep. So check out Good Morning Liberty. Go subscribe to their podcast. Good Morning Liberty. Check it out today with Nate and Charlie. We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Welcome in to another episode of Finding Freedom here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And guys, uh, before I get into talking about uh, today's show, And uh, I I mean, I got a great guest lined up and very, very important show. But before I do that, you know, this this week has been crazy in a lot of different ways. But, uh, you know, one thing that that I want to talk about before I get the show started today, previous guest on this show, guest on episode 277 and uh, Dalton Morrow. And if you remember on that episode, episode 277 of Finding Freedom, um, Dalton came on the show and talked about how, uh, when he was in prison, he overheard his uh, his cellmate um, talking about a planned shooting in the Orlando area. This was prior to the 2016 Orlando nightclub attack, and Dalton was uh, was murdered last Saturday. So just wanted to start today's show and really dedicate this show to uh, to Dalton Morrow to his memory. And you know I, I don't I don't know what happened. and I, I really I'm not going to talk about it much more than that. You can go back and listen to uh, episode 277. Of uh, of this show, and uh, listen to what Dalton had to sh- had to say uh, about uh, about what he knew uh, before that attack occurred. Really, uh, crazy crazy thing happening. So, sorry, kind of hard to transition uh, off of that. But today's show, another really really important case, and I'm going to ask you guys again today. Last week I asked for it, and ask for it again you guys to really get behind this episode and you did it last week do it again this week i want you to share this episode i'm going to share some links on the show notes page where i want you to support um 
the sister of my guest today. So Jennifer B. Hagen is my guest. She's advocating uh, for her sister, Jessica Linton, um, who is uh, who's in prison on some ridiculous charges. Basically, and I'll get into the details, she stood up to the government, and when you do that, most of the time you lose. I'm thankful for you guys listening to, to my show and listening to all the shows here on Lions of Liberty. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, the, the work we're doing, it's not easy, and it, it, takes, it takes a lot of effort, and uh, sometimes can be pretty, pretty draining, pretty taxing uh, work that we do. So those of you who are supporting us, who are patrons of the show, thank you. Those of you who listen and share the show, thank you. And if you want to, you know, take us take a step up, take a step forward, and uh, start to back us a little bit more, and uh, go on Patreon. You can go to Patreon.com/slash/LionsOfLiberty and join there to get some awesome incentives, bonus uh, podcast, early podcast releases, early uh, video viewing releases, all that stuff. Having Dave Smith on the show next week, and if you are in the Lions of Liberty. Pride, you're going to be able to hear that episode with Dave Smith, recording with him on Tuesday night. So you'll be able to hear that episode, watch it live in the Lions of Liberty Pride Facebook group on Tuesday night, and it won't drop to the public until Thursday. So go to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty and join today. And without saying anything else, let's get to today's show. On today's episode of Finding Freedom, I am joined by Jennifer Hagen. Jennifer's sister, Jessica Linton, was charged with 24 counts of conspiracy and healthcare fraud, which uh, resulted in, a, in an 11-year prison sentence. Um, throughout this entire case, she has maintained her innocence. Um, there were 25 other employees at her the place where she was working um, that was raided by the FBI uh, called Global Pharmacy. And a lot of those other employees um, came, actually were probably a little, maybe coerced as it goes into, into plea deals. Uh, Jessica is now, as a result uh, of, uh, you know, not pleading and, uh, and taking it to trial, she was convicted and is now separated from her family. And her husband is now raising their nine-year-old daughter as a single dad. So uh, Jennifer is here, or yeah, Jennifer is here to tell Jessica's story. I will do my best to not mess that up again. And uh, thank you for coming on the show, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. So let's let's start out with a little bit of background on this case. And obviously, as being uh, being Jessica's sister, you probably know her as good or, or better than than anyone else out there. So maybe you could start up by telling, just talking about growing up with her, w- what she's like, the type of person who she is. Well, she's actually a year and a half younger than me, but um, you wouldn't really know it because she's the responsible one <laughs> for the most part, I have to admit. She's the one that always remembers everybody's birthday and has me sign the cards and um, just is the type of person that takes care of everything and everyone. Um, and that that has followed her from childhood all the way up. Um, a lot of people describe her as the most morally correct person that they know. She's a big time rule follower. Um, she's the one that you want in, in your uh, business, 
making sure that things are being compliant um, and rules are being followed. Jessica's big on that. She's also very strong in her faith. She was um, uh, diagnosed with diabetes, type 1 diabetes at the age of nine and uh, was very involved with the American Diabetes Association growing up. And then as an adult, she also got diagnosed with celiac disease, um, but she has always been very good at managing both of those. It's It comes with a lot of challenges um, and causes some other issues, but she's, she's just one of those people that's just on top of things. So um, she was very involved with Girl Scouts, her church, et cetera. Um, because of her diabetes, she got into healthcare at an early age. Um, she uh, got a job selling diabetic supplies. Um, she knew all about it. She was one of the first people here in Savannah, Georgia, where she grew up, that got on the pump and knew all about it, uh, the pros and cons, et cetera. So when she um, was working with the diabetic supplies, she got her job got um, transferred her to Clearwater, Florida. So she moved to Clearwater, Florida with her family and she started working for um, CCS Medical um, and she loved it, but they started to lay off people. Um, some of the um, insurance companies weren't using them anymore and they needed less uh, sales people, that sort of thing. So they started to lay off people um, and one of her coworkers was laid off and decided to start his own pharmacy. It's a compounding pharmacy, Global. His name was uh, is Jeremy Adams. And what, um, what does that mean? You said compounding pharmacy. I, I don't know anything about pharmacy. Right? So, so what, does that, uh, what does that mean? And and I I'm actually just learning myself mm -hmm. since I had not been in the field. But um, basically, um, the the medications they are compounded with certain. Um, you know, I, I actually, I, I would not be the right person to ask about that. And Jessica, one of the things that I wish mm -hmm. she um, could explain to people is all of this stuff, because even though she didn't come from a pharmaceutical background, she didn't have a degree, she educated herself on a lot of this, um, mm -hmm. because it, she had a passion for it. Now, mostly she worked with the, with the customers and the clients and, um, and customer service, she actually turned down a few positions that would have been um, more pay, but she wouldn't get to work directly with the customers. Mm -hmm. So she actually had turned them down. Um, but anyway, uh, she got the job at Global. She left CCS um, to avoid getting laid off and took the job there. Um, the Compounding Pharmacy Global was started up in Alabama, uh, but Jessica lived in Clearwater, so she was asked to run the call center in Clearwater. So she did that, and um, and she loved it. Um, but one day she came to work, and the FBI raided her work and informed her that her bosses were committing healthcare fraud at a very large level. Um, this was disappointing to her on on. For multiple reasons, um, you know, it was a shock that she was associated with it, but also because she trusted these people and um, just never, never knew that that was happening. So immediately, she started helping the FBI. Um, well, just, just like to take yeah. take a pause there. Um, yeah. So the FBI raided ahead of that. Did she have any inclination, or did 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 she? at all ever think that maybe something, something, you know, illegal was happening or. So she did not 
think that anything illegal was happening because it was a startup company and she knew that they were learning um, after audits, they would get notified that, okay, this wasn't done correctly. You need to do this instead, et cetera. So there were, uh, she did say that there were a couple red flags while she was there of things that she was like, are we, you know, I just want to double check on this. And each time she checked on things, um, she was told that it had already um, gone through their compliance officer, their attorney on staff, and all of the pharmacists. So um, everything that, that you know, it got funneled down from mm-hmm. corporate um, was already gone through all of those things. So she was told. Right. Um, and of course, you know, her not having a pharmaceutical degree of any sort, um, obviously she trusted that several pharmacists, uh, doctors that were signed. I mean, she didn't know that doctors apparently were being paid off uh, for scripts. Uh, pharmacists apparently were forging doctor signatures. There was all of this going on that she would have had no way of knowing. Um, and then anything that that did happen that wasn't, she was told wasn't correct, she was very quick to fix it, let everybody know. I'll give you a quick example. Um, They were told that they weren't supposed to send supplies to a certain state because they weren't licensed in that state. When she found that out, she was very upset and said, you know, you need to send me a list right now of every state that we are Um, licensed in so that I can let everybody know. And as soon as they sent it, she printed it out, put it in everybody's cubicle. Again, she was a big time rule follower and wanted to make sure everything was compliant. So um, there were a few, like to answer your question, there were a few little things here and there, but when she asked on it, she was reassured that it had already gone through everybody. So when the FBI raid happened, um, obviously, I mean, I've never been in a place where the FBI would raid, but you know, I, I would be completely freaked out if, if yes. so what, what was, I mean, what was Done her immediate reaction? Did, did, did she share, <laughs> what did she share with you? Like right at the time, do you remember? Um, she actually did not share immediately as uh, she was so frightened. And, um, Jessica, again, like I had, like I said, she was always the type that, um, took care of everything, didn't want anyone to worry, didn't want anyone upset. You know, obviously her immediate family knew, but she didn't really know exactly what was going on because they, they didn't tell her much. They just asked questions. So never at any point did they say you were doing this wrong or they were doing this wrong, anything like that. There was, mm-hmm. it was a simply simple ask questions, but it was, she did say that it was very scary because they showed up with you know, the guns and, and, um, you know, started interrogating everybody. Um, she actually was at home, hadn't come in yet because her schedule allowed her to come in, uh, I think at 10 AM. And I think they had come in maybe an hour early. So when they called and said that they were there, she actually went in early to see what she could do to help. So, yeah, you said that she cooperated with the Mm -hmm. FBI, um, how how long did this cooperation go on for? And um, over three years. Really? Yes. Um, so she, they asked her to stay in contact with Jeremy, and um, you know, basically let them know, almost as if she was an informant. Um, they kept asking her for different. So she continued to work. Did the place stay open? She could no, no, no. Okay. But she continued to you know ask, uh, keep in touch with with Jeremy and asking okay. questions. Um, but Jeremy, she, Jeremy was the, the founder, founder of the company mm-hmm. owner. Yeah. 
Yes, the the founder. And um, she they kept asking for text messages um, from her phone and um, she would look them up and give them. But she finally was like, do you here? Just take my phone. Do you want to mirror it? Here's my computer. Um, You know, just take what you want. She had nothing to hide. Um, and they mostly needed her to show them how the system worked, how they did billing, all of those things to walk them through it. And she said one of the things that she found odd was that they kept saying that they they only cared about what they did in the beginning, what she did and what they did in the beginning, not what they're doing now, but what they did, I guess, in the beginning, starting up Um but any, I mean, again, they didn't tell her why they didn't tell her much. They just asked questions and she answered. Um, one of the things though, that she didn't like is that they would say things like, well, don't you think this could have blah, blah, blah. And she would say, well, I never thought of it that way, but I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, then when they turned in the transcripts, they said that she said it was done, blah, 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 you know, the way that they had said, um, couldn't it be? So they would ask these leading questions right. and sort of say that you should think this. And then when she would say, oh, I could see how you would think that way, then they would yeah. say that that was how it was done. And um, so they, they kind of twisted her words. I know that when she went in, um, she drove to Alabama twice at her own expense to help them. Um, and one of the times that she went before she walked into the room um, for the interrogation, the FBI agent outside of the door said, now, when you go in there, you you answer their questions, but you're not allowed to say, I did such and such because I was told to. You're not allowed to say that anyone told you to do that, mm-hmm. that that was what you were told to do. So, you know, and she didn't know, and she didn't have, at that time, um, she had, um, she didn't think she needed a lawyer, um, she did get a, a court appointed lawyer at one time, but um, that did not last very long because that lawyer told her that she should just sign the plea deal and just look at it as saying you knowingly and willingly did your job, uh, which she said, that's not a crime. So I didn't knowingly and willingly commit healthcare fraud. So I'm not going to sign a false document. Hey, just a, a quick break here. I want to tell you about a new sponsor we have on the show, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. This is a family company, great people out of San Antonio, Texas. Really excited to be working with them. Uh, the promo code, if you go to their website, it's you get 25% off. Promo code is ROAR. Just enter that 25% off, a $75 order and up, and every order is uh, is free shipping, which for small companies, that, that's hard to do. So that's, that's an amazing deal you're getting here. Incredible products. I'm just going to talk about one of them that, I mean, I'll be fully honest, I haven't tried these yet, but I have good friends who swear by them. And I'm going to be ordering this product, really excited to try it out. I will give you the feedback as soon as I do. It's their eucalyptus lavender solve. It's, it's for muscle aches and joint pain. As somebody works out and runs, I'm really excited to uh, to try this out. So you guys will hear my feedback. So for all your CBD needs, you're going to go to PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Once again, 25% off with code ROAR. Check it out. So so this um, FBI, um, I guess, information gathering slash interrogation um, went on for three years total. 
right? I think a little bit over three years, okay. but approximately about that time. Um, it was several years. <laughs> so, so at what point did she start thinking, I think that they're coming after me? Like, when they made the decision to indict everyone um, and they told her that they wanted her to sign a plea deal, um, they wanted her to sign a document stating that she knowingly and willingly committed healthcare fraud. When they asked her to do that, um, she refused because she said that would be, mm-hmm. you know, a lie. I'm not going to do that. And they said, well, if you don't, then we're going to tack on a whole bunch of other charges that we're going to throw at you and you're going to go to jail for a very long time. Um, but for Jessica, that worked for a lot of the people. It would have, it would have worked for me. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, that would have been scary if they, um, you know, there were a lot of single moms, people that didn't um, have money for a lawyer and for someone to say, if you don't sign this, we're going to put you away in jail. So was there any, was there any penalty for them? You're just signing it. Was there any? There, yes. Um, I think there were some estimated, um, I, I'll be completely honest with you. We have, they, they changed it up so much and Jessica you know, she's not even sure exactly what it was. We At one point, we thought we heard three months. Another point, we thought we heard three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, it, for Jessica, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't about what they were offering. Right. Even if they offered no jail time at all, for Jessica, she loved the healthcare field. She loved um, her job. And most importantly, morally, she just refused to sign a false document. Um, that's what it was for her. So the the scare tactic worked on pretty much everyone, uh, guilty or not guilty, um, but it did not work on Jessica. She just was not going to sign that. Um, so we as a family kind of um, all pitched in, refinanced our houses, et cetera, et cetera, um, to get enough money to pay for a good federal attorney. Um, so we... We did that and we got her a real attorney who um, knew that going against the government, <laughs> your chances are so slim um, and was up front, you know, with Jessica with that. And, and I mean, you can Google and, and see that, you know, how many how mm-hmm. many people don't take the plea deal. It's it is such a minuscule amount, um, a percentage. And of that percentage, how many actually win? It's it, it's such a minuscule amount. However, they didn't have any evidence. So Jessica believed in the system and believed that the truth would prevail. And, you know, she just wasn't willing to sign it. So she took it to court um, and they were not happy about that. Well, I mean, you say she believed the system and most people believe the system until they hear about a case like this. And you say there, there was no evidence. How can someone be convicted of no evidence? They don't need evidence in order to convict because they have all the people who admitted who she was working with. They admitted healthcare fraud and they can just point to that. So right. really it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, you it's can be scary. totally it's scary. It's very scary. You can be totally innocent and they can come after you and, uh, and put you away. It's, uh, People that have heard Jessica's story, um, I I had told a, a, a pharmacist Jessica's story. And when they heard, they said, I'm going into work tomorrow and I'm quitting my job. 
And I said, well, I'm not trying to get you to quit your job. I'm just telling you, she's like, you don't understand what happened to your sister could literally happen to anyone. Jessica still to this day does not even know what she did wrong. The things that they're throwing out there, they're saying, well, because she did automatic refills, the government themselves sends automatic refills. You know, mm-hmm. my, my husband's a veteran and he keeps calling the, the VA and saying, I already get these prescriptions from my doctor. You can stop sending them. And they keep sending them, you know, over and over. I mean, every doctor and pharmacist that I've talked to, all the things that they were telling Jessica um, is is wrong. It, that's, you know, procedure. So she still is unsure as to what she particularly did wrong. But obviously, she recognizes that whatever she was doing um, led to this fraud. However, the the what she was supposed to be convicted of is whether or not she knowingly and willingly had, you know, did conspiracy to, to fraud, um, all of those things. And then they ended up because she took it to trial, they they ended up throwing all those other charges on her. What, what did the owner of the company end up doing? Uh, how much time? Yeah. We, we, yeah. Uh, well, it's an, it's, it's interesting. You asked that because I'll start out by telling you what he was supposed to get um, was 10 years. Now he ended up getting 14 and I, I don't know why I can only speculate that either because he didn't get up and testify against Jessica. I think he probably just couldn't with, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, or because he was sentenced um, right after Jessica. And with Jessica getting 11 years, I think probably the judge just could not give, you know, her the most knowing that, you know, I mean, she didn't benefit financially uh, mm-hmm. as her husband, her husband says it. Well, he says, just follow the money. When I say, you know, even though we knew that the chances were slim, when I say they had nothing <laughs> against her, they had nothing. In fact, their witnesses that they brought in actually only helped Jessica's case. They brought in a pharmacist and asked, you know, did did you tell Jessica to do this? And the pharmacist said, yes, I did. I, t- I told her to do that. So even their own witnesses just helped her case. Um, she's not a pharmacist. I mean, it's, yeah, so she's going, she's going based no. off the pharmacist. Yeah. And another, another one was asked, you know, was Jessica, um, at these, you know, conspiracy meetings, however they, they worded it. And, uh, they said no. And they said, well, was she invited? Would she have been invited? And they said, no. Um, did she get to enjoy the private jets? Did she get one of the watches? Did she get any of these benefits? No. Mm-mm. But it's trial penalty and all of those things. Um, one of the most interesting things that I will say about the trial um, that I found the most disappointing was at sentencing, um, the judge said to the prosecution, so let me get this straight so that I understand. You're saying that Jessica helped you all of those years, helped you get a case, helped you. But the only reason that you're saying 11 years is because she wouldn't sign that plea deal. Is that correct? And they said, yes, that is correct. Wow. The judge actually said that. The prosecution said, yes, that is correct. But the judge asked that question. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And I take that 
as, you know, our country was founded on, you know, telling the truth in court, you know, you're supposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, on oath. And so basically because she refused to lie under oath and because she exercised her right to a trial, she was punished and she would have been rewarded if she would have given up her right to a trial and just lied under oath, they would have rewarded her. So I don't, I just don't think that's right. Um, yeah, it's def- <laughs> definitely not right. That's uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's an upside down system that we have. And this, I mean, this case is is not a better example than how upside down it is than uh, than Jessica's case. So just to talk a little bit about because oftentimes I when I have people on the show, it's individuals who have been through the system, have been incarcerated themselves, and they're coming to tell the story. So whenever I have family members on, I like to get the family members' perspective. And maybe you can share um, you know, Jessica's husband's perspective as well and other family members. But maybe if you can kind of just talk about the evolution. So how was the family reacting to this? Is everyone supportive of, of Jessica's decisions. And I guess yeah. a second part of that question would be, have people's views of the criminal justice system changed in the family because of this? Well, that would be an understatement to say, uh, you know, one of the things that we realize is that once your eyes are open to this, they, they can never be shut again. And it is, it, it's mind blowing the things that we have seen um, the things that, that we have learned about how it, how it works. Um, it's mind blowing. It's something that unless you have gone through it or have a a family member or a close friend that's gone through it, um, you just would never know. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, I've talked to some people that, that like that you normally have on your show that have gotten out and I'll tell them things that are going on with Jessica in prison right now. And they are not surprised at all. Whereas you could tell people that have never, you know, been in prison or knew know someone in prison, and they would say, "No way, this it can't be the case." Um, as for your first question, you know, as disappointing and upsetting as it is, both of her daughters um, and her husband stand by her decision. Um, Jessica instilled in in them and everyone around her, you know, the importance of um, standing strong in your faith, standing strong in your beliefs, um, and that it's it's better to to basically be punished than to you know um, lower your your beliefs and your faith and your morals. So they are proud of her. Um, she's been called a modern day Paul by a lot of people that have heard her story. She's been called a hero um, by a lot of people that have never met her. Um, she's already touched so many people's lives in and out of prison. Um, so they definitely um, stand with her. Of course, Jessica is the type of person um, who doesn't really get upset very easily. Um, she's very low maintenance. Um, we were not worried about her going into prison as much as we were worried about her husband. Um, and her, you know, of course, her youngest daughter and her oldest daughter, both of which have been uh, very affected negatively. Her oldest daughter um, was in school at Palm Beach Atlantic to go into nursing. Um, and when this happened, it 
it really, besides kind of, you know, affecting her grades and just her concentration, Mm -hmm. it really put a bad taste in her mouth being involved in the healthcare industry in any way. It's, it's scary what could happen. So she actually completely changed her major, um, moved back up here to Savannah to be with, um, Jessica and my, my parents, um, and have that support. Um, her youngest daughter, I mean, she's nine now and it's hard to even understand and grasp. Um, she's doing the best she can, but I mean, she has night terrors now. Um, and then of course her husband, I mean, they, it wasn't like, you know, her, you know, that her husband was already used to doing everything on his own as a couple, they, Mm -hmm. they split the responsibilities. Um, Jessica was actually more of the breadwinner. Um, and so basically financially, um, and just everything from taking Lily to school and managing her Girl Scouts and all of those things, that's all put on her husband besides not being able to have, you know, his spouse right there. Um, he's angry, obviously at, the system. Um, He's, he's definitely uh, all about educating people now. And so are we, um, because it's something, like I said, you just, you just don't know until it happens to you. How's, how's Jessica doing in prison? How, how are her spirits? So her spirits are good. Um, Like I was saying, we weren't worried about Jessica at first. Um, we were like, if anybody can handle it, it's her. Um, that quickly changed to where getting justice for her, getting this overturned is not even on our radar right now because medically she is not doing well at all. From day one, she got in at Mariana, um, the, the satellite camp, and they had no record of her being a diabetic and wow. celiac, which we don't understand why. Um, they Jessica has been in prison now for, I believe, almost seven weeks and has yet to get a gluten-free diet. And she cannot consume gluten because of her celiac disease. It not only affects her intestine, intestinal um, region and, and, and all of that, um, inflammation, all of that those side effects, but it, it negatively affects her diabetes as well when she is not getting the proper uh, meals um, for that. She's also consistently not getting um, medical attention that she needs. She it's, it's like, I don't think that they can handle it. I don't, I don't know if they just don't get a lot of type one diabetics, especially type one diabetics mixed with the celiac. Um, but they, it's almost as if they don't understand all the components that like if, for instance, if you, if her site expires or she runs out of her test strips, which happens all the time there, that causes her pump not to work because it's not being calibrated, um, correctly. So all of those things, she'll, she'll wake up in the morning and she'll tell the medical staff, Hey, you know, don't forget my pump expires. I mean, my site expires today at 1 PM. And it'll be 830 at night and they still haven't come. And so it causes her blood sugar will go up and down. Um, so she was, we reached out to several senators, um, congressmen, et cetera. 
And we did have um, Senator Rubio's office. They sent Jessica a privacy agreement because they were going to look into all of this for us. And as soon as Jessica signed the privacy agreement, they cut off her communication and they told her to pack her stuff and they shipped her out of there very quickly. There were two other women that needed to go to, they were sending her to Carswell, um, which is in Texas. It's the only medical facility, women's medical facility in the nation. And they were sending her there. There were two other women um, at Mariana that needed to go to Carswell more than Jessica. Um, And she was actually worried that she was going to get transferred there sooner than later because of them. But they didn't get sent. They just got Jessica out of there as quick as possible. They sent her first to Tallahassee and then to Oklahoma. And then she was supposed to go to Carswell from there, but she's actually going to be shipped back to Mariana. Um, Something I guess is going on at Carswell because everyone that was supposed to get transferred there from Oklahoma is now being transferred back to their, their original place. But the transfer process was horrible for her. Um, She literally thought she was going to die several times by being put in a cell and her banging and screaming on the doors for two hours, needing medical attention. She hadn't eaten anything all day. Um, and they ended up finally coming late that night and giving her two apples, which as a diabetic, that is, that is not enough, you know, for her blood sugars, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, we've had to consistently, um, call everyone (laughs) And anyone to complain and um, something will be done a lot of the times, but it will last less than 24 hours. For instance, they'll say, you know, okay, we're going to get you on a gluten-free diet, but then 24 hours later, they're giving her the meals with the gluten that she can't eat again. So it's obviously our, our, our only hope is the compassionate release. We're being told we have a one in a million chance for that, but you know, we're going to, we're going to go for that chance over and over and hopefully get her home to her doctors and on home confinement until we can get this thing overturned. And um, myself and her family and friends aren't going to stop until Mm -hmm. it does. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about the prison system and with diets and medical attention. I, I mean, probably I, I mean, just to be honest, it's probably more so not that they're not built for it. It's that the people that work there just don't care. And they think, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, this isn't my job. I don't need to do this. So they just, they just don't give a crap. Mm -hmm. There's some of the remarks from the guards, uh, you know, prove that they would bring her her food. And when she had to turn it away, because um, each of her meals all in quarantine were brought into go boxes with two pieces of bread smashed on it. So, so the meal is the whole thing, even if it was gluten-free was completely tainted by the the bread It's contaminated. So when she would have to turn it down, the guard would roll his eyes at her and her roommate said, she can't help it. She has celiac disease. And the guard said, well, then you shouldn't be in prison. And, um, you know, they have that attitude or, you know, the U.S. Marshals or whoever it was that was transferring her when they said, we we only have bologna sandwiches for dinner. And she said, I, I can't have that. They said, well, then you're out of luck. There's not any sort of let's try to, you know, 
help this diabetic and celiac to at least get something in their system, you know, peanut butter, something. Um, instead, it's exactly what you said. They're like, well, oh, well, shouldn't be in here. Too bad. So for her to get compassionate release, who does that need to go through? Is that Could the, could the judge grant that? That is the one person that has all the power to give her the compassionate release. And that is her judge from the sentencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, what we have been told is that the people that get that have an actual chance of getting compassionate release are those that are at the very end of their sentence. They've served, you know, like 90% of their sentence. Her 11 year sentence just started. So it's, it would be, we've been told it would be a miracle if she gets it, but at the same time, (laughs) trusting that there are people out there that care, um, you know, our point is, well, um, you know, they can't handle her medical needs. And it's not just one facility. She's now in the third facility since entering and not one of them, not one, even, even ones that have a nurse that, that is nice. There was a nurse at um, Oklahoma, uh, give her a shout out. Nurse Hicks is what Jessica said, who saved her life. This one nurse came in and she had no idea that the previous nurse on duty had completely neglected Jessica, didn't um, give her the stuff. And this nurse came late at night, stayed way past her shift to save Jessica's life. So there are a few people like that. However, that those people, they're not on duty 24 seven. So as soon as they leave, it's back to her not getting the medical or the, the, the food that she needs. So all in all, I'm telling you, they cannot um, provide for her medically. Even in Carswell, where they were going to send her, we have been told there are lots of deaths occurring there right now. There was one just even the other day. We have been told that the doctors there um, have ankle bracelets themselves. Not, not that they aren't qualified, but they're not, you know, they're inmates themselves. So are they going to, do they really care? Do, are they going to take it seriously? What was their license revoked? Is that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or we just basically were told that <laughs> no matter where she is, it, it's the same. So what, what can my listeners do um, if anything to, to help out, to help spread the word, to, contact yes. senators or Congress, Congress people, well, what, what, what can they do? So let me tell you that the senators that we have met with, I am going to say that they have been very nice, very accommodating and patient. Um, they have been, you know, getting hit up already with lots of letters from Jessica's friends, her family, etc. However, they're only able to be a liaison to the BOP. So they would go to the BOP and say, hey, this is what we're, we're, we have heard the BOP would then write back and say, oh, that's not true. Um, Jessica's getting great medical attention and she's being offered gluten-free options with every meal. And even though the senators know that they're lying because mm-hmm. that has not happened at all, um, there's nothing that they can do. They're not over the BOP. That would be, they, they said, to probably turn our attention towards Department of Justice, Um so I guess writing letters instead to the Department of Justice or or the president, even just someone um, that that has some power, maybe um, 
you know, I mean, the attention, the media, um, the exposure, I have been told by everyone um, that even though it can make it hard for Jessica in there, because they do retaliate, that is a thing. However, they are saying that that is what our best chances are, is to continue advocating and to continue to be loud and be heard, because that puts pressure on people to, you know, hopefully, hopefully they just get tired of hearing from us and they don't want the attention. So hopefully they'll let her out on compassionate release and, um, you know, get her the medical attention that she needs. Yeah, the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil is what they say. So if you can get loud enough and get enough attention, I, I think that's the right path. And, right. you know, we really don't know what Joe Biden will do when it comes to clemencies and, and things of that nature because he's done nothing yet. So there was hope at the beginning when he was elected that he would at least continue mm-hmm. um, what his two predecessors were doing, right. but nothing from that yet. Um. Anything else? Um, is there a petition that that uh, that my audience can sign? Or we have not um, started the petition yet. That is something on our to do list, our radar. But for at the moment, we have been completely slammed with just getting this medical her medical need to where it's like. I, I personally am doing it full time. I mean, I'm I'm on the phone constantly. I'm trying to get it out there, share the video. The video that we um I'll oh, yes. link. Um, that's an interview that we had as soon as this happened with Jessica, I before she went in, I, I knew that this was a story that needed to be told. So I had her interviewed. The full interview is about 37 minutes. That that hasn't um, you know, been released to the public. Nobody wants to sit there for 37 minutes. So we made a highlight. Some people do. Some, Some people, people might, yeah. <laughs> um, but we're kind of holding on to it, hoping yeah. that, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, somebody will want to pick it up and right. do a story. Um, and we have, we have had a few people reach out, um, you know, thank you for, for being willing to, to share this. Um, but that, that highlight video is a great one to share. It's already got, I think, 30,000 views. So the more we share it, the more you get those views up, um, the more attention it's going to get, hopefully to the right people. Um, I know that there's some organizations in place and a lot of them have rules like the Innocence Project. I want to say they only do criminal, not white collar, mm-hmm. but you know, again, the louder we are, hopefully it'll get attention from from the right people. So I would say, you know, sharing her story, sharing um, the video. And, and I will also interject that um, in two days, this Thursday is Jessica's birthday. Um, this is hard for us because we actually think she's already back in transit to Mariana. So we we can't hear from her when she is there. So I don't know if we'll even be able to tell her happy birthday um, on the phone or email or anything, but what she has asked for her birthday is for people to do a random act of kindness uh, in honor of her and um, to wear the Justice for Jessica shirts for anybody that's gotten them. We've been selling these for just $10 online on our website, the justiceforjessicalenton.com. And, um, you know, we're just going to take some pictures of people wearing them, just showing their support and hopefully mm-hmm. send them to her whenever she gets to whatever facility she's going to next. 
Well, this will air after Jessica's birthday, but I'm going to ask my okay. audience to to do that random act of kindness yeah. to to visit uh, Justice for JessicaLinton.com, and I'll link to that on the show notes page as yeah. well to to watch the video and share the video, and also um, share this podcast. Yes. So I'm going to ask everyone to do that. I mean, if you've listened to this long in the podcast, then obviously um, you're, you're relating and you have some compassion for what's going on here. So please, um, if you're not driving, stop what you're doing and, and do that right now. Um, I'll just ask you, Jennifer, if there's anything else that I, I haven't asked you about or anything else you, you want to talk about with regards to uh, Jessica's case, um, the, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, I think you covered it for the most part. I will say that one of the things that we have learned and we've been told consistently is that Jessica is in the, you know, two to three percent of people in prison that have people on the outside advocating for them, um, you know, sending up prayers and love and concern. And and that's that's very um, sad to hear. Um, it's sad to know that there's people in there that don't have any money in their commissary, that don't have anybody writing letters to them. So um, one of the things that I would say is to you know keep Jessica uh, in your prayers and in your mind as she tries to touch as many of those people as she can. Um, and, and she's doing a great job so far. We've been told that <laughs> everybody knows who she is. Um, and they, the ones that get out and met her, had the, had the the privilege to meet her, have gotten out and are advocating now for her as well. Um, I would also say too, if there's one thing I've learned is not to judge, um, because I'm meeting so many people that have been in the same situation. I'm meeting people that have gotten put in jail for the craziest things, um, things that anyone could be put in jail for. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it is so scary to know that you, you're, you're not safe from that. If you basically have a job that consists of, of anything where you have to make decisions that you're relying on, you know, your bosses and the people ahead of you to be telling you the truth. It's, it's scary. So I'm learning that there are a lot of, of innocent people in there and um, definitely want to not judge and, and give them all, you know, benefit of the doubt till we know otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, there, I always talk about a book written by Harvey Sil- Silverglate called three felonies a day. And the average person commits three felonies a day with, without knowing it. So I've heard that. <laughs> I'm probably um, one of them. I swear, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, like, for example, like in a lot of places, using your neighbor's or a business's Wi-Fi without actually you know, mm-hmm. doing it illegally, that, that's a felony. So right. it's, it's and, and, and even with that, like, like in your sister's case, doing things the right way, think you're doing everything the right way, even cooperating with the FBI and then still yeah. getting sentenced to prison is just absolutely insane. Um, so I'll just, once again, encourage my audience to to share Jessica's story, share this podcast, and I'll link to everything on the show notes page. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yes, thanks so much. 
All right, taking a quick break here. I want to talk to you all about my friend, friend of the show, Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man, and his new song. And uh, he's featured on a track with Intrinsic. It's called First World Problems. Basically, what it's doing is it's talking about you know, different concepts are woven throughout the track, you know, cancel culture, grifters, inflation, innovation, all kinds of different things. It's a really, really interesting track. Please go wherever you listen to your music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whichever one of these places where you listen to music, please like and follow Crypto Man, and please like this song, share with your friends, and it's just an awesome song, guys. So I got a clip for you. Check it out. Hope you all enjoyed that interview on Finding Freedom, another awesome guest. And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast and you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little listening device delivered to your ears. Um, If you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app. You know how to do it and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, if you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash lines of liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us and all the way up to you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a taxation is death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a wax on tax off t-shirt. And we have our, our brand new design, our hands up, don't nuke t-shirt. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It is our best t-shirt we've ever made. So go to lionsofliberty.store. You need to buy this t-shirt. Hands up, don't nuke. It has a really dorky looking uh, redneck guy with his hands up. Hands up, don't nuke in big letters with the bombs pointed at him. It is phenomenal. You need this shirt at lionsofliberty.store. And if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.